Let's go. Happy New Year, my FitFizz friends. I have some harsh truths about fitness, training, and nutrition, and also being in the gym for you today. This might be one of those episodes where I might end up hurting some feelings. I hope I don't, but I just might. But as I always say, if it gets under your skin, it probably means that deep down, you know, there's some truth to what I'm saying. And it's always okay to change your thinking around those things. So if it does bother you, give it some thought investigate why you feel that way. If this is your first time listening, welcome. I'm Kelly Wilson and I am the owner of fitfizstudio.com. I am a certified trainer, nutrition coach, behavior change specialist, autoimmune disease educator, and I've worked in the health and fitness industry for over 25 years. I am here to help you ditch the gimmicks, find strength through your struggles, give you knowledge for making the smartest choices for your own health, and to remind you to celebrate victory all along the way. The information shared is for educational and information purposes only. Nothing should be interpreted as an intent to diagnose, treat, cure, heal, or prescribe. All right. Today is about fitness because it feels appropriate this time of year. And even though the show is called Fit Fizz, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for fitness and lifting and strength. And I like to remind people that that kind of stuff is a health privilege. As I had to painfully learn for myself a few years ago, And if you're a new listener, go back and listen to all the previous episodes. I I say this a lot, but there is no quote unquote fitness without health first. And that's also why I do so many shows about health and nutrition and optimizing our bodies for longevity and working with functional medicine doctors and all that kind of stuff. because, Because without all of that, there is no training program or running or any of that which we typically relate to quote unquote fitness. So here is my first harsh truth. Fitness is a privilege. If we really break it down, it's a financial privilege. And if I'm losing you already, if you're feeling disinterested, I really hope that you keep listening because if you're feeling like, ah, Cal, what are you getting at? You are the person who I need to keep listening. This is all about learning empathy too. And so many people are constantly talking about how we need more empathy and kindness in the world. So if that is you, stick with me here. Now, I've done a lot of talking about financial privilege on my personal social media pages, and usually nobody likes those posts. And I know why, because people don't like to be told about themselves. People don't like harsh truths, but I keep doing it. And the reason why I keep doing it is also why I'm doing this show today. This sort of also relates back to a lot of things that I spoke about over the summer on the episodes about trauma. Those were episodes 64 through 68. And this also relates to what's called hierarchy of needs, or it's better known officially as Maslow's hierarchy of needs, in case you want to look into it more on your own, but I'm going to talk about it more today. To break this down very simply, I want you to picture a pyramid. The base of this pyramid is our most basic needs as humans, food, water, warmth, and rest. Pretty simple to understand. Even myself, in the extremely recent past, these last few years with my struggles, I found myself being very upset by friends, quote unquote friends, who knew my struggles because I had explained it or they had commented on my social media posts with job loss and my health issues. And they'd say, 
how's training? Or why don't you come train with us? And countless times I would unapologetically remind them, I can't even afford food right now. So that's not even an option. Because doing heavy training certainly requires the body to be adequately fueled by enough food, more than a baseline that's needed by a non-exerciser. Seems pretty obvious to me every single day because I was living it. But because of some people's place of privilege, it didn't even cross their mind that, oh yeah, I guess you need adequate food to train hard. They were so used to it. They didn't even stop to think that that was not my reality. And I was jobless and struggling. So I did not have adequate food for the privilege of fitness. And it sucked to number one, be hungry. Number two, know that the lack of food was actually harming my health because it wasn't enough, and, but it was the best that I could do. And number three, it was depressing to not be able to afford something that very much helped keep me out of depression, which is all types of fitness. So there's my point. Fitness is a financial privilege. And a lot of people need to remember this when they have conversations with people. A lot of people make so many broad assumptions that are just, it it really shows a lot of people's privilege and lack of self-awareness, the way they talk about it. On this same base level of the pyramid where we're building the hierarchy of needs, so that's food, water, warmth, and rest, I want to put an emphasis on that rest part, getting rest. Now, there are various reasons that people don't rest. Some reasons are controllable and some are not. But should fitness happen when there's not adequate rest? Absolutely not. This is something that drives me nuts because I see people bragging about making time for fitness when their bodies are exhausted due to other things in life. And this is not healthy. It's not. We all know people who glorify not resting or make jokes about it like it's okay. I don't even like the jokes about it. Then there are people who also do not have the financial luxury of resting if maybe they have to work two or three or four jobs to barely even make ends meet. I've been there numerous times myself as well. Another very common reason for not getting enough sleep is being a parent, especially of very young kids and babies. That might be completely impossible for some people to change at certain points in life. Then there we have the people who don't sleep because they have insomnia. Now, most insomnia can be thought of as having excess adrenaline in the body for some reason. This is a whole episode I'll get to someday. But yeah, if you can't sleep, it's usually due to excess adrenaline in the body due to something, work, relationships, health, um, financial worries, whatever it is. But that's my harsh truth number two. If you're lacking rest, please make that a bigger priority than fitness. You don't need to tax your nervous system by pretending that you're doing yourself a favor because you're really not. If you barely sleep, then go wear yourself out at the gym. It's simply not a healthy choice. Again, go back and listen to previous episodes. I explain a lot of this stuff more in depth and how it has a very negative impact on our nervous system and the metabolism and just overall health. So Again, going back to the hierarchy of needs after this base level of the pyramid, picture the next layer on top. The human needs on this layer are security and safety. Now, does fitness have a place here? No, it really doesn't. So fitness is still a privilege if you don't have safety or security. 
or safety and security, I should say. So after you have food, water, warmth, and rest, then we have safety and security. Then I think this is the place where you could start to make a case for involving fitness. And this third layer from the bottom in the hierarchy of needs includes belongingness, friends, love, and intimate relationships. So this gets into all of the social stuff. And we do need that. That is a human need, but obviously it's not more important than food or warmth or rest. So this all makes sense on where fitness comes into play in the hierarchy of needs. Now, the next layer of the pyramid of the hierarchy of needs, we have our esteem needs. And this is where we have a human need to have feelings of accomplishment for our self-esteem. And it's very important for our mental health. And again, certainly not a priority over things like food and warmth and rest and safety and security. But this is where fitness totally fits in too with our esteem needs, especially if you have a type of exercise that really brings you joy, that can really be a need for you. But again, we got to take care of the other base, baseline needs first. And any kind of fitness, it can be really be a self, a, give you a sense of fulfillment, right? Whether it's running a race or hitting a new deadlift PR, or even if it's going to the gym for the first time because it's totally out of your comfort zone, that can give you a sense of accomplishment. And that is great. And that is great for our mental health and just great for our well being overall. You can celebrate all kinds of victories this way. And it certainly lifts the self esteem. It's great. I don't think there's any, any arguing that. But, dun dun dun, harsh truth number three, exercising your way through body hate is not a winning strategy. Exercise shouldn't feel like a punishment. You shouldn't feel like you're suffering. So while we have these esteem needs, you might have the best intentions for trying to fulfill those. But sometimes, maybe without even realizing it, you might start to head in a negative direction. You might start to realize that you're exercising from a place of self-loathing instead of self, self-love. So let me elaborate. I taught group fitness for many, many years, all types of classes. But out of the hundreds, maybe even thousands of men and women who came to my classes over the years, it was mostly women. And if I were able to survey them now, they hopefully have had a lot of personal growth since then, wherever they might be today. But I, if I were to survey them now about what they were doing back then, I feel pretty confident that most of them would probably say they were doing those classes because they felt like they wanted to shrink their bodies. And fitness magazines and websites over the decades have sadly been quite successful at brainwashing people into thinking that cardio, cardio, cardio is the best way to lose fat and burn calories and to shrink your body. So people, mainly women, will be in these classes several times a week with their heart rate super high and they're drenched in sweat. Many of them not doing any strength training a lot of times, or they're using little tiny three pound dumbbells in these classes, which don't even weigh as much as the purse that they carry all day long. So they're not doing anything at all. Thinking that if they just keep doing that and keep going to these cardio classes week after week, several times a week, they're going to shrink their body to a size that will finally make them happy with what they see in the mirror. Now, I really loved teaching group fitness a lot. So I'm not against these classes. But what I am against is when people are basically 
abusing their bodies by doing hours upon hours of cardio per week because they feel a need to be a certain size to feel worthy in life. That part makes me really sad. And when I walk by the group fitness classes at the gym that I go to now, I get it that things like Zumba are super fun. And yes, it's healthy for our hearts to pump really hard like that sometimes. But there are some things severely misaligned. If you find yourself doing many, many hours of cardio per week and no strength training, and you also maybe happen to not like what you see in the mirror or when you're naked, or if you have a true deep fear, maybe you're already thin and muscular and lean, but maybe you have a really deeply rooted fear of gaining body fat, or you feel like you absolutely have to do those classes or you're going to hate yourself. Those things make me sad. Those mindsets are not healthy. And hopefully, you know, If you keep listening, we're going to do more episodes that talk about um, all of these mindset things and why these thoughts create our habits and our actions and things like that. So that brings me to harsh truth number four. You don't have to do cardio to lose body fat. This can be one of the harder things to get people on board with. Thanks to so much misinformation. that's out there. But it's true. You don't have to do cardio to lose body fat. If your nutrition is on point and you do resistance training, you might never have to do cardio and you can still drop body fat. Absolutely. Especially if you happen to be overeating a lot to begin with. Now, I'm very hesitant on how I'm wording every bit of this too, because I know that many of you, even though you know better, you're still always on the hunt for a magic formula. Like, here's what you need to do in order to arrive at X amount of body fat. Here's your reminder that it's never that simple. And if you're frustrated in trying to make changes to your body by yourself or whatever you're doing is simply not working, let me remind you that this is the value in hiring a personal trainer or a coach like me or somebody else. Uh, That's because there is no magic formula, no matter what anyone else says. and A fitness professional, if they know what they're doing, can formulate things according to your personal needs in order for you to arrive at that goal. This brings me to harsh truth number five. You don't need to track everything. Instagram, good old Instagram, always to blame. They have unfortunately made it very commonplace for non-athletes to attempt to train and eat like athletes. And I don't necessarily mean athletes like NBA players. I mean athletes like the people you see on social media who do bodybuilding shows or powerlifting competitions or the CrossFit games. You see their accounts or you see them accomplish these great things and you think, I want to look like that or I want to be strong like that. And you go down this rabbit hole of trying to copy how they're training or what they eat. That's okay to use as inspiration, but it drives me nuts when people who are not competitors try to eat and train like they are one because you're never going to get the information regarding, you're never going to get all of the information regarding how they train or how they eat. You're not going to get the full picture and every person's needs are different. I can't say this enough. So even if two people want to arrive at an identical end goal, you're not going to have the same trading and eating protocol because you're at a different starting point. So it only makes sense. But training and eating like an athlete, 
can be okay for some people, but for a novice or intermediate fitness person or someone who just wants to lose a few pounds so their pants fit better, it's not smart to feel a need to track every single macro for an extended period of time. I do think it can be helpful to track macros for a while, maybe a few weeks or maybe a few months for some people in order to get an idea of what certain portions can look like. And then as you practice it, it starts to become second nature and then you can loosen up on the rigidity of it. But stop trying to train and eat like an athlete when you're not, please. If you like to have a workout or a meal plan to follow, and if you like to get those things from social media, get them from people who coach non-athletes, not from the people who specialize in training bodybuilders. Because there, I know it might seem like, well, a squat is a squat or, well, chicken is chicken. And so why can't I train that way or eat that way? But there's really a lot more to it. And unfortunately, you know, finished professionals and personal trainers, we don't get the credit that we need. And what we're actually educated on and helping people arrive at those goals because most people do think they can get there on their own. But then people end up feeling frustrated with what they're doing on their own, but they can't get over their own ego to realize that what they're doing might not be effective for their needs and they might not have the knowledge that a trainer would have. So think about that. So here we go with harsh truth number six. Stop fighting with food and thinking that you need to always be on a diet or just diet, period. 99 times out of 100, if someone is on a diet, they're saying, oh, I'm on a diet. I'm starting this diet. I can't eat that. I'm on a diet. 99 times out of 100, they don't have a healthy relationship with their body. And that's the truth. Again, this comes from self-hate or self-loathing and not from a place of self-love. If you do tend to look for diets to follow, I am begging you to please stay away from diets with names like keto, paleo, Mediterranean, low carb, or anything like that. Just eat nutrient-dense food. It really is that simple. And cut out the sludge, as I like to say, the junk food, the sludge. Get some protein healthy fats and carbs with every meal. Don't think that carbs are bad. Carbs are not bad. We need them for fuel. If you can do that much, you're still extremely, extremely likely to see changes in your body. Maybe even more likely. I would say more likely to see changes if you just eat nutrient-dense food and cut out the sludge than if you decide like, I'm going to do this quote-unquote diet. Ditch the diets. They're all gimmicks of some kind. They absolutely are. Every single one of them. None of them are magic. And none of them, none of them are sustainable without running into some kind of nutrient deficiencies eventually. It's endlessly smarter to simply focus on creating solid habits that you can stick to for life, not deprive yourself of the foods and treats that you love, and focus on nutrient-dense foods, like I said, every meal. You know, try to go for having meals that you're proud of health-wise 70 or 80 percent of the time and then the rest can be guilt-free eat whatever you want and that should be a big goal for everyone too all non-athletes should be getting to a place in your relationship with food that you never have guilt or shame around what you eat and that you don't consider any one food or food group to be bad because that's just not true so there is harm in the language that we use around these things too And 
Harsh truth number seven. You don't need to strength train for an hour and do cardio for an hour every time you hit the gym. This is fruitless and it is not smart for several reasons. Now, unless you're someone who is basically training for the Olympics and has a coach telling you to do this, I promise you it is doing more harm than good. I know this. Please believe me. I'm begging you. Believe me. Now, I know that somebody out there listening might be thinking, you're wrong, Kelly. I do this. I love it. It makes me feel good. I'm losing fat and I'm going to keep doing it. That's a hard-headed attitude and it's going to backfire on you. Maybe not this month, but eventually if you keep it up, it will backfire with injuries or metabolic issues or hormonal issues or hitting a plateau that's going to be very hard to break through if you're brutalizing your body all the time like this. And I get it. If you're a type A, I get it. I'm a reluctant type A myself. You might love to train like this, but sooner or later, you need to start acting like the very intelligent person that you are and ask yourself, what is my goal here? And prioritize one or the other. Trust me, if you don't prioritize one or the other, meaning strength or cardio, you're not going to fully achieve any goal with either. And I'm not saying only do cardio or only do strength training, but a full hour of each on the same day all the time? No, please don't. It simply doesn't make sense. And it's certainly not optimal for any goal having to do with strength or endurance or changing your body composition. And here we go with harsh truth number eight. It's sort of similar, but rather than me saying, don't do cardio for an hour and strength training for an hour on the same day, this is simply don't train for two hours. You don't need to. <laughs> Again, unless you're a high level elite athlete who has a coach that is programming this for very specific needs, it is fruitless, it is pointless, and it is certainly far from ideal for the average person who just wants to exercise and burn body fat and get stronger. What's really at the root of this is thinking back to all the times that I've had conversations with someone or I've overheard conversations and it's usually dudes and they'll be like, yeah, I go to the gym for about two, two and a half hours, like four or five times a week. Or sometimes people even say six, seven times a week thinking that they're going to impress me or someone else. And it doesn't impress me. It does the opposite. What I'm actually thinking when I hear these things, I'm thinking, oh, honey, I am sorry to hear that you're being very unproductive and wasting your time. That's what I think. Because here's the deal. If you're not currently an elite athlete, but you're spending two or two and a half hours at the gym, I'd be willing to bet my right leg that you're, yep, my right leg, that you're either number one, not training hard enough for it to be effective, or number two, you're spending way too long resting between sets, which also means you're not training effectively. And this is a cue where a lot of hard-headed men, I've never had a woman respond this way, will refuse to believe me and they'll say, not me though, I go really hard all the time. No, you're not. <laughs> and maybe because I'm smaller than you or because I have a vagina, you don't want to believe me, but trust me, you're not. I am the fitness professional here. <laughs> you're not. All you're doing is pampering your ego the way the human body is, even professional bodybuilders. If you're truly pushing at an optimally effective level, your body will be taxed by the time you reach an hour, maybe even 45 minutes. 
maybe an hour and 20 minutes for some people, depending on what you're doing, but not two hours. No way. If you are an average human who wants to get jacked, get stronger, get leaner, if you're actually lifting heavy and you're actually taking proper rest periods between sets, which would be 30 to 60 seconds for most people, maybe a little bit more if you're new to training. If you're actually focused on having a truly effective list lifting session, there is no way you will last two hours. You will not, period. If you show me someone who claims they train for two hours hard and effectively, I will show you a lost person. Simple as that. All right. Last two to wrap things up. Harsh truth number nine, don't wear lifting gloves. Don't. They're useless. They get in the way of proper form and progression. They're nothing but a senseless crutch. Like, I don't even know why they still exist. I don't know why some people feel that they need them. The whole idea that they're going to prevent calluses is silly because all of the Really great personal trainers that I know and power lifters and strongmen and bodybuilders, the people who lift weights and are very good at it or advanced at it. We're all proud of the calluses on our hands. And I don't understand why anyone would think that hand calluses are a bad thing. You know, I know that some people will say, "Ooh, but I don't want rough hands. Well, I have calluses and they've never been an issue when it comes to softness. If they get a little rough, all you got to do is get an emery board, you know, like a nail file and just sand them down put on some lotion, you're fine. They're not, they're not that rough. And you will be able to keep lifting heavier and heavier, which is the whole point of lifting anyway. Gloves are a hindrance because they're going to affect your grip in a negative way and slow down your grip strength. Also, if you're in a gym, if you're thinking about hiring a trainer, take note of which personal trainers allow their clients to wear lifting gloves. I don't recall ever seeing a trainer who allowed it until just a couple weeks ago, which is what made me add this in here as a harsh truth. I was, I was internally, I was horrified that there was a personal trainer who was allowing their client to wear lifting gloves. And I immediately knew she must have been a new trainer, but I'd certainly steer clear of hiring any trainer who allows clients to wear lifting gloves. It's a sure sign that they're not very experienced. I promise you. And the last one, harsh truth number 10, if it seems too good to be true, it is. This applies to so, 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 so many things. Ineffective supplements, fat burners, 30-day squat challenges, shakes, stomach wraps, waist trainers, all the detox garbage and skinny tea nonsense that is everywhere you turn. There's so much of it. And I see people falling for it every single day. If it seems too good to be true, it is. So don't waste your money on it. Real change requires real work and it takes time. I can imagine someone right now wanting to say, but Kelly, no, I use a waist trainer and it really does work. Or this may be the same thing about the flat tummy tea. No, they don't work. They do not work. That's why this is a harsh truth. So if you're still trying to tell me, no, Kelly, investigate why you're so stubborn about believing it. It's probably because you want a quick fix. But if you continue to believe these things, you're convincing yourself that those things work. It's because you're finding confirmation bias somewhere, but not the truth. Especially if you wear a waist trainer. 
with the poor reasoning and saying maybe something like, but it helps to support my back. The reason I say this is that if you feel the need to have back support from a device like a waist trainer, you have weak back muscles, which means you need to definitely not wear a waist trainer and you need to strengthen your back muscles. You need to train them. Your back muscles are only going to get weaker and weaker if you do continue to let a waist trainer do the work that your body should naturally be doing on its own. And it makes me really sad when I see people fall for these bogus gimmicks. I know you're smarter than this. So we got to give up on these gimmicks. And to wrap things up, remember how I was talking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs? There's one more level after the esteem needs at the very top, the very top level that I didn't mention yet. And this top level is self-actualization. Now, once you have all of these other needs met in order, then you reach a point where you can achieve your full potential as a human because you're finally in a place where you have the headspace and the peace of mind and the emotional space, emotional stability for creative activities that make you feel like you're absolutely flourishing in life. And I wish that for all of you this year. And it might have its ups and downs, but hopefully we can all get there at one point or another. Don't fall for the gimmicks. All of these harsh truths are said with love, even if I sound extra feisty today. (laughs) Subscribe to the podcast and share this with one friend who came to mind while you were listening. Visit fitfizstudio.com for coaching, virtual training, or maybe stop by the shop to get yourself some FitFizz swag. And until next time, breathe, stay strong, and always celebrate victory. Celebrate victory.